caught offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney, another Champions League midweek podcast. What's up, brother? Andrew, I think uh, beginning the show by talking about the Champions League is uh, somewhat burying the lead. Ah, yes. Isn't that, isn't that true? Isn't that the state of things right now? So here's the deal. We have a lot to get to on this podcast. We're going to talk about the Champions League because high drama in Barcelona. Um, a lot to get to all around uh, Europe from the past couple of days. We're going to talk a little bit of Premier League. Uh, Arsenal-Liverpool bears a little bit of mentioning. MLS postseason starts up, of course, this weekend. So we're going to kind of put the regular season to bed, do a quick look ahead at what's to come in the uh, the playoffs. But first, important show announcement. Important show announcement. Alert, alert. Lights <laughs> flashing. Red lights, sirens, everything. Fireworks. Important show announcement. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> Mass hysteria in the streets. So here's the deal, everybody. We've been getting a lot of tweets kind of asking what's happening with the podcast um, because my personal situation has changed at ESPN for the better. Um, but I, I took a new opportunity, so it moved me away from ESPN. Um, and with that, after eight and a half years with ESPN, this podcast is moving away from ESPN as well. ESPN has been wonderful to us. They provided us with a platform that's allowed us to reach and connect with a huge number of all of you out there, which has been one of the highlights of our lives. Um, but now we go in a different direction. And I should say what's most important here, this podcast ain't going nowhere. All right. We are still going to be doing this every week or more. We hope to be able to now increase our content load to all of you uh, and be able to produce even more than what we've been giving you before. The World Cup is coming up over my dead body. Would a World Cup happen with us not doing a podcast for it? So on we go, my friend. All that changes is the location. That should not be a big deal to anyone. Like, JJ, U.S. soccer, what were we just talking about a couple weeks ago? Like, they played their last game on ESPN. Now they're going to be on CBS or Fox or whatever. And, like, people, okay, they were on ESPN before. Now we're going to go watch them somewhere else. Same deal with us, all right? This is not a big deal. I know people are so routine-oriented with their podcast habits. I am, too. I completely understand where you're all coming from. Um, I promise you, we're not going away. We're not done. Uh, it's going to be more. We're just going to be on new location. So as it stands right now at this very second, we're already up and running. Um, you can go to the at CO soccer pod, Twitter bio and our Twitter feed. And if you look up in the bio, uh, there's already, um, a link to our Spotify feed. That one has already been cleared and verified. So we're already up on Spotify. Um, just look for the, just search caught offside as you would. And now look for the the podcast icon that has both of our beautiful faces in it. It says caught offside. And then you'll see pictures of JJ and I next to the words caught offside. That's the one you're looking for. You'll see an episode there called You Found Us. It is not a coincidence that that's the name of, of the title of the podcast that's in there right now. So Spotify is up and running. Uh, by the time many of you are listening to this very podcast and the words I'm saying right now, our hope is that we'll be verified and up and running on Apple Podcasts as well, because I've seen the metrics and I know that the vast majority of you consume your podcast through Apple Podcasts. So that should be up in 
the next 48 hours or so. Uh, keep just, I beg of all of you, keep checking the at CO soccer pod Twitter account because we'll continue to push out information there on all the different platforms where you'll be able to find us. Eventually when it's all said and done, we'll be everywhere. We'll be on every single one of them. But right now this has all kind of happened within the last several days or so. And so the verification processes on all these different platforms, uh, they take time. And so, like I said, Spotify, good to go. Bang, done. That one's there. So you can listen to us right away up on Spotify. Our thanks to them for being amazing about that. Um, and yeah, keep if you're not on Twitter and you're listening to this right now, email caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. Caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. JJ has promised he will respond to everyone individually with the Spotify uh, link uh, yeah, to the I, feed. I and will then, make like sure- I said, Apple Podcasts and, and the rest will be in the days to come. I will make sure that I will get back to everyone with the link. The most important thing is, guys, we're not going anywhere. And I hate to drag you into Twitter right now, but join us on on Twitter. And that's where you'll get the info about where you usually listen to and when we're up and running on that platform. You have to realize this was foisted upon us a little bit quickly. And there are the natural teething uh, and baby steps and all the euphemisms for Andrew making a balls of something. But... um, (sighs) But I, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Andrew said I have been literally teetering on the edge of nervous breakdown for probably about the last 72 hours. <laughs> and uh, it's it's close. We're right. We're dangling right on Every, the edge. Everyone's seen Michael Douglas and falling down. Um, well, that's Andrew. He's right on the edge. He's about to go completely. Um, yeah, I, I was worried about you today. Let's but, hope for uh, a happier ending. Yes, yes. But listen, uh, I want to say it's been it's been such a a pleasure being with ESPN. I was barely off the plane from Ireland uh, when I was paired up with Andrew that summer for the World Cup in 2014. And, you know, within a few weeks, I was in studio at ESPN in our old building. And it was just so cool. Uh, It was amazing. And I thought, our first few podcasts, probably the first year of podcasts, we were finding our groove, but we found it pretty quickly and we found you guys. And I hope you'll stay with us. I know our hardcore listeners will. I know you will. Um, so just be a little bit patient with us over the next few days as we get things going. But, get, you know, contact us via the email, caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. That's a good way to get in touch with us. And at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter, um, flock to us. Come to us. Join us on this Noah's Ark of soccer podcasting as we drift off into the great unknown. Yeah. And, and you know, I should say with regards to ESPN, um, you know, like it's not lost on me. They they gave you and I this platform to do this eight and a half years ago um, without knowing us, essentially. I mean, like. Obviously, someone Justin Craig was the one who who made this happen at ESPN for yeah. the 2014 World Cup. Uh, he put us together um, and said, basically, run with this. It's yours. And it was localized pretty much to just ESPN New York. Um, but, you know, like we were not known quantities. We were not former players. We were not reporters in the industry. We were just like a couple guys who love the sport, who follow it religiously and who love to talk about it. And like ESPN basically took a chance on us uh, and gave us the opportunity to have a platform associated with those four letters, which in sports are powerful. And so I will always be grateful for that, but even more so um, 
like there were probably people at ESPN when we got this and when it started to grow a little bit that that probably did say, wait a minute, who who actually are these people? And probably thought like, what have, what have we just done here? And so that's why while while I have a huge debt of gratitude to ESPN, ultimately, and like I don't want to get emotional saying this, but like my my real debt of gratitude is to all of you who have listened to this because like our our numbers of downloads and of listeners to this podcast kind of put us in a place where, you know, if there were people in ESPN saying, who are these people? Why do they have a show? You guys listened to yeah, this. That's so like, true. Ultimately, like we, we continued to have a show and be able to do this, this thing that we love so much through, you know, the U.S. not qualifying for the last World Cup and then through a pandemic where games weren't even being played. Like we, this podcast got us through a lot of stuff uh, over the last eight and a half years. And if it hadn't been for, you guys out there who are fans of this show, who have listened to this podcast in droves, uh, who knows? We we probably wouldn't still be doing it. There probably would have been somebody at some point up at ESPN that said, "Okay, enough." Like their their time is Listen, up. But this, like you this... guys have made this thing possible for us, and so you know, all I can say is my plea to you is that we're going to continue to do the best possible podcast that we can do for all of you out there. Please, you've stuck with us for all these years continue to stick with us and uh and you will not be sorry you will continue to enjoy this podcast the same way you have for the last eight and a half years yeah and i just to, just to echo that andrew there there was a january and i don't want to go to inside baseball or betray confidences where i saw you know our downloads per episode was better than some of the nfl stuff and it was in the middle of the nfl playoffs and i'm like that is a testament a testament to our listenership and to people who care about what we do and i've I know I can be snarky on Twitter and I'm trying to be a better guy, but I really, really have never taken our audience for granted. I, I never have. I, I think you're unbelievable. Some of the interactions, even from last week's episode, some some touching, some nice and some heartbreaking things that were sent to us. Um, people living their own experiences through the game and sharing it with us. It's been amazing and it will continue to be amazing. We're just making the slightest pivot away from right. the biggest sports company in the world. Um, but listen, I've, I've had an amazing time. I, I'd like to thank uh, Pete Giannisini, um, uh, Bimmel Kipedia at the start as well, who stuck with yeah. us, and, 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 and Tom Fitzgerald. Tom Fitzgerald mm -hmm. did, did a little thing for us. He made sure we were visible when you went into Pod Center that we were a listed podcast. How many more people clicked on us because they saw caught offside? What's that? And, uh, and Pete, put us on the FC feed and it mm -hmm. opened up us up to a world of people who mostly loved us apart from a few who didn't like us at all and thought we were too Anglo centric. But listen, it's been an amazing, amazing run with ESPN eight and a half years in the current media landscape is just so long. And, um, and we weren't surviving. We were thriving and it's because of you. So let's go on this journey. Let's have more fun. Let's even swear on a podcast every now and again. Whoa, and also, easy. easy, Tiger. And let's uh, let's have some merch. Can we? Mm. Oh, I would love that. So those are the possibilities that are open to us. I will say one thing before I get off this. I will be having a forum, um, a Twitter space to field your questions, your concerns, your anxieties uh, in this new moment. Because I, I think we're a family. Not and, and I don't want you to think me as some kind of cult leader leading you over the edge into oblivion. That's not the case. We're a family. We're going to talk about it. So on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern lunchtime, 
We're going to have a Twitter space. You can come on, ask me questions about anything in the football world or related to this podcast. And I feel like it'll be a nice little um, little first venture uh, into into the new brave world that we're about to forge. I feel like we're frontiersmen, Andrew, <laughs> but good ones that didn't do bad things to uh, Native Americans. Well, I'll, I'm genuinely excited about it because I think it's going to, you know, I think this will give us a chance to do a lot of the things that we have wanted to do. And I think it's going to be great, honestly. Um, I really do. So I, that's it for the self-indulgent portion of this podcast. Uh, but like we said, at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter, you'll continue to get all updated information on there about all the places you can find us. Right now it's Spotify, but the rest are, are surely to come within the days to follow. So uh, oh, I would Andrew say, I would say stroke, by this time next week, like it'll be all good. And uh, we'll be back and be running at full capacity. For you, for you alone and your sanity, we got to iron out some bugs, people. Yeah, and caught offside pod at gmail.com if you're not on Twitter. Just email that and JJ, he has promised. I said, put up, just put up an out of office link, then it'll send back automatically generated emails. And he said, no, like he could just do that, but he said, no, he wants to respond individually. I don't know why. I don't know if that makes because the you hate any the better. common man. And I yeah, want okay. to, I want to, e- that. I want to email the common man back. Did you not just refer to yourself as a cult leader about two minutes ago? I said, no, I don't want to be seen as such. No, no. Yeah, you don't want people to see you that way. You just only want to think of yourself that way. Yeah, when you're JJ, it could be quite easily spun into a, a grotesque cult leader with those with those initials. And we know who I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. All right, let's let's move on to the actual reasons that you're all listening to the podcast, and that's to talk about soccer and everything going on because there's certainly a lot going on right now. We have to start, of course, in Europe with the Champions League. It was uh, whew, it was a pretty exhilarating last couple of days. Where Let's see. I always ask you where to start because there's at least usually like three or four games where I'm like, okay, let's decide between these. I guess it has to be in Barcelona at the Camp Nou, right? Oh, Andrew. Oh, we got an absolute belter of a game. It could have finished 6-6, could have finished 7-7, end-to-end. You know, we slag off the group stage, but this was more like a... Define we. Well, no, I do slag it off. All right, I was talking about the I was including you. The group stage is often not full of surprises, Andrew. But I I do feel that this was a game that would have that could have adorned uh the knockout rounds. It was it was it was stunning. It saw um as described by the CBS crew a rage header from Robert Lewandowski, which I always thought if you were if 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 you were ranking the headers in terms of anger, the diving header would be the angry one. But this is just one where he's just launched himself into the air with Jordan-esque hang time and swished his neck and buried one past Onana. Uh, Brilliant, brilliant header. After it seemed that Barcelona were definitely going out. Mm -hmm. Now they're almost certainly going out. Um, Well, not necessarily. Oh, I think they're gone. You're, 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 you're really, you're, you're, I know you like grasping at straws, Andrew, but now, you know, come on, give some straws back to other people. Share the straws. You're you're insane. Yeah, maybe I've just been watching too many Barcelona La Liga documentaries on Netflix lately, and I'm just I'm just too into the the more than a club culture. Yeah, um, I I think they're going out, Andrew. I think uh, like I mean, if you look at the standings, so there's Bayern atop the group, home and hosed, Inter in second place on seven points, uh, Barcelona on four points, and then Vittori Pleznin, uh or they're uh, they're bottom of the group, and I mean it's just it's just weighted towards. Um, I mean Inter 
it's going to take uh, Victoria to do something pretty astonishing. Well, again, again, not necessarily, right? Like, what it's going to take is for Barcelona to do something that we don't expect, which would be for them to beat Bayern. I mean, they're at home to Bayern, yeah. I mean, and then, look, I, I, I think it's over. I think that the fact that they drew the game definitely gives them, you know, much more of an opportunity. But at the same time, um, I think they're done. I really think they're done. Yeah, I mean, look, I'd rather be Inter than Barca right now. Yeah, but... and they left. I mean, I mean, Barca left the field with the with with you know every little bit of the uh, of the faces of men that realized the, the gig is up. And if if Aslani had squared the ball, I can't remember who who it was to. Maybe it was Gosens again. But if Aslani had squared that ball instead, uh, Ter Stegen made a brilliant save. Then we're definitely talking about Barcelona in, in the Europa League, and and just to factor in how much that's going to cost them. Their business model was not set up to be Thursday night Channel 5, Andrew. This is a complete disaster. Yes, it certainly is. I'm just looking at the fixtures to see uh, the order of, of the um, of what each team has coming up to see how it would have to play out. Barcelona have Bayern Munich uh, on October 26th. So look, they have to win. Uh, and then you assume on that same day, Inter will play Victoria Pilsen, uh, and you assume Inter will win. So if those two things happen, they'll still be, uh, Barcelona will still find themselves three points back. And then on the final day, it's Bayern Munich and Inter and Barcelona and Victoria Pilsen. And you assume Barcelona will win and it's Bayern and Inter. And you would think that Bayern would probably win that as well, although they won't be playing for anything at that point. Um, but Basically, it's going to come down to what happens in this next game between Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Um, so, um, which, is a, which is a fixture that Barcelona does not succeed in hardly ever. Um, the odds will be stacked against them, but who knows if they're, you know, they know what they're playing for. So you never quite know how those things could go. But it's, look, the fact of the matter is Lewandowski, I think, scoring that header at the end, again, the odds are against them, but it was massively important to at least give them a lifeline. So some hope moving forward in the competition. Yeah. And uh, Inter thought they were home and hosed that when, um, when Gosen scored his goal, the bench emptied, they all came out onto the field and celebrated. Um, but it really wasn't over. And, um, I, I think I've seen my favorite goal in the champions league tonight, Andrew, as well. Uh, that, oh. that go ahead goal for Inter, which should have been the winner. Onana gets the ball, times his kick perfectly down the field. Larturo uh, Martinez does the exact same thing in, in terms of timing. Make sure he's uh, on the right side of the halfway line, so he's onside, races in, and then this perfectly weighted pass across to find, like, it, he couldn't have hit it much better to, to Gosens, who then buries it, just, like, emphatically. It was, I know... It, There'll be more complicated. There may even be more spectacular goals. But that, in just in its inception from goalkeeper to striker, was just beautiful. And I also, it made me think, you know, you can't be a goalkeeper at the top level now without being able to play those passes. Once upon a time, unless the goalkeeper was Schmeichel and he could throw the ball out, there was no goalkeeper who could kick from his hands that accurately. We are in a, just an amazing time for that. And... uh it's those little things that I love. I know I'm boring people right now, but 
you say like hearing you say all these things about you know you can't be a goalkeeper right now if you're not able to do those things he says as he supports matt turner but at any rate <laughs> turner i think will get better under the tutelage at arsenal of course. i think he will be better with his feet i don't know if he's going to be that good from his from his hands like that that kick was just perfect absolutely perfect and uh it's my favorite goal and i declare it goal of the tournament thus far um yeah, it's it was a riveting night there. Now they have uh, a Clasico coming up at the weekend, Barcelona and Real Madrid. So it doesn't get. I mean, like the stakes remain just as high for them uh, in this in um, what is a pretty intense stretch for them right now. Let's move on, JJ. I just wanted to ask you quickly. There's probably not a ton to say about it, but the um, the Liverpool Rangers scoreline jumps off the page, don't you think? <laughs> it really does, considering that uh, Liverpool decided to be pathologically the worst team ever to start games now by going 1-0 down. It's it's now at the point where you have to wonder if they need some kind of psychologist to sit down with these guys and talk to them about these early conceits. I mean, is that not the tw- it's the 13th time in 14 games or something? Something absolutely ridiculous like that. Um, but it's, uh, it's incredible. The first half, um, Liverpool were... Liverpool grew into the game with the equaliser. And Bobby Firmino is just, he's become the glue that binds this whole rickety ship together right now. You take Firmino. Whoever thought we'd be saying that, by the way. I know. I like, thought it he'd... felt like he was on his way out. Oh, yeah. I thought he was going to be off in, in sunny Spain, seeing out his, his, his early 30s in La Liga or somewhere like that, maybe in Italy. I did not see him uh, being the kind of rescue man for this uh, for this current uh, Klopp project. But, um yeah, Liverpool kicked on and then and then just took over. And the the golfing class was huge. If there was a golfing class the previous night in the old firm uh, on the other side of the green half of Glasgow between Celtic and RB Leipzig, the golfing class here was even bigger. I mean, there was a time when people used to talk about the old firm joining the Premier League and used to say, why not? Just have them in there. Like for them to come in now, I mean, Brighton would do such a number on, on Glasgow Rangers right now. They destroyed them. The gap is is getting wider and wider. And 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 really, you look at Celtic and Rangers, Andrew, the amount of money they need to spend to be to be competitive, to be a team that has a chance of graduating to the knockout phase of the Champions League now is is huge. And I don't know if those clubs are, are willing to do that. You know, the way my mind works, sometimes these little thoughts come into my head and they and they sustain me. They give me hope. I, I like to think, JJ, that so Scott Arfield, he scores the goal yeah. in the seventeenth minute. Uh Scott it, Arfield. I know, I know. Just Incredible. In, Scott Arfield opening the scoring in the Champions League, right? Against Liverpool. Yeah. Aaron Moy runners up. Aaron Moy coming off the bench for Celtic to change to try and get them back into the game. In the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh Cohen, a starting goalkeeper wow. on a winning team against Juve in the Champions League. There's some there's some interesting stories. Yeah, there, there really are. But like I like to think that so Arfield scores that goal. Right. Ibrox is they lose their mind. Like they, they had to make a point on the broadcast that like they had to say there's nothing wrong with your feed right now. It's just the stadium is literally shaking because the cameras couldn't, they were out of control. The cameras were bouncing up and oh, down. Oh my God. So, so they had to like, I was watching the Golazo uh, right. kind of run around and um, they had to say that to let everyone know that <laughs> your feet is okay. It's the stadium that's lost its mind. 
I like to think, JJ, that two uh, insane Rangers fans had that moment happen. And in just like a fit of, of joy uh, and madness, like they're hugging and they're high-fiving and everything. And they, they headbutt each other and they knock themselves out. And they, <laughs> they think they're going to wake up in like a week. And someone close to them needs to just tell them that it ended 1-0. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. that was they, the last thing they saw. They can't. But but it's 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 an interesting uh, kind of thought experiment in in what we always say. Joy is such a weird thing, right? And it's so fleeting. So uh, a friend of mine is a Ranger supporter, and he was there with his dad. Um, his name is Murray Smith, which, to my mind, is exactly if I was making up a character, a Rangers fan, I'd call him Murray Smith. But anyway, he. he uh, he was there with his dad. He's a lovely guy. And um, and at halftime, they have their arms around each other, just beaming smiles. And he, I said, it looks like you had fun at least. And he goes, you, you would want to seen us at full time. I mean, it was, it's been a terrible experience for, um, for the blue half of Glasgow in the Champions League. I'm not saying it's been much better, but at least you can say Celtic have been for, for a period in every game, in the game, looking like scoring. Um, but they can't score. They've only one goal in the Champions League so far against Shakhtar. So it tells, you, it, um, it tells its own story, Andrew. One other thing with this game. So I was going to save this for when we did a little Premier League discussion um, about Liverpool and Arsenal. But I'm going to move it up to the conversation right now. And that is Mo Salah. Because like, the, the rumblings were getting louder and louder that something's up with this guy. That it's just like, it's not the version of Salah that I think Liverpool fans would hope to have gotten after he signed that massive contract extension. Um, it was kind of more of the Salah that we saw to end last season. Still good, like still a good player, but not the Salah that we saw that earned that huge yeah. salary that he's now on. Um, and then he comes on today and he scores a hat trick in what, like six minutes? Um, yeah, and one of the best toe poke finishes you're ever going to see. The much maligned toe poke, which is looked down on as uh, as an inferior finish. Uh, but yeah, unbelievable, Andrew. I, look, I've been reading so much on it. So I started out at the start of the season on this podcast just using my eyes and saying, why is he so wide? Like, he seems like he's super wide and he's not in the box that much. And then I, I saw some some heat maps and some graphs of where his average positions are. And he's pretty much tallying up with where he was last season. And then I fast forward a few weeks and I see that, well, actually he's not getting in the box as much and his touches in the box are down. And if that's the case for Salah, I mean, that, that is a, that has a stultifying effect on a player of, of, of his class. So I don't think it's just the hangover that he had, mid uh late winter early spring with the with the big disappointments that he had in terms of of the national team and going away to the african cup of nations and the world cup qualifying i don't think it's that i think i think he's generally found himself in a different position i wonder how discombobulating it has been uh, with uh, sadio mane not being there mm-hmm. and darwin nunes coming in who is uh, not even remotely similar uh to sadio mane um is it new contract syndrome is it just the general decline and torpor that other players have found themselves in, like uh, Andy Robertson, Virgil Van Dijk? I mean, Fabinho. Like, it's easy to focus on the goal scorer, Mohamed Salah, because goals are such a you know they're such a quantifiable, they're the most important part of football. But if you look at Fabinho, he's fallen off a cliff too. 
Jordan Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's hard to know if it's specific to Salah, if it's a more general thing, if it's a positional thing. Maybe it's all these things. Um, but tonight was tonight was a boon. I mean, Glasgow Rangers have just been really, really important in this difficult stretch for Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this certainly helped. It gets, if nothing else, it gets their goal differential back on track. Um, I think they're plus six now, so they were in the negatives. Well, they were because uh, they. Well, they were zero. They were zero. Yeah, they conceded uh, uh, conceded four at uh, at Napoli. That's not going to help things. Yeah. Speaking of which, we should say Napoli four, IX two. <laughs> IX probably just can't wait to finally say, "Okay, we're done with them." Thank God. Ten goals in two games against Ajax. I, there is, they are the most fun team. I don't want to go over old ground. We gave them lots of props last week on the pod. But um, you've got to watch Napoli. They're a reason to watch Serie A. Now, I know Serie A is much more kind of interesting than it was. I mean, uh, Inter would, look what they just done to Barcelona. Yeah. They, they would probably raise their hands and say, hey, what about us over here? Sure, but I think I think Napoli are just, they're... Yeah. Um, their appointment TV. Yeah, Raspadori scoring again, or uh, Chucky Lozano scoring in the fourth minute to get it started. I mean, Ajax did put up a little bit of a fight, more certainly more than last time, but uh, yeah, not enough. And it was uh, Victor Osiman finishing it off in the 89th minute. Napoli, they're, I mean, right now they look, they look as good, they look better than anybody else in this competition so far. Put it that way. I, I'm not saying they're not my pick to win it, but up to this point, they look better than anybody else in the competition. I, I um, if, if if I'm a if I'm a Premier League team, uh, Kavicha Kavarechkaya, I am like if I'm one of the top six, get him before anyone else does. You have to. This guy is just amazing. One other quick note on today: uh, a huge win for Tottenham. They went down early, one nil, and then Hyungmin Son kind of pulled them out of the fire. It got a little bit hairy late. Uh, but they do hang on and now actually find themselves top of the group, a point above Marseille and Sporting Lisbon. Um, uh, not a ton to say about this game, except that if you're talking about who was it before JJ, you said it scored your your favorite goal of the tournament so far? Uh, Gosens for uh, Inter. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I'll tell you what, Son threw his name in the ring with the volley that he had. Yeah, it was um, lovely. On the, on the ball from Hoybier and just a smashed volley from about probably 10 yards or so out. It was uh, It was a really great goal. And a really important one as um, Tottenham once again back up and running this competition on seven points in top of their group. Quickly from Tuesday's games, just want to say a little bit about Chelsea. Uh, yeah, tell you what man, it, it it feels like Graham Potter he he's finding his footing, and the results are the results are bearing that out. I'm curious some of the differences maybe that you've seen from kind of the end of Tuchel to what we're seeing now with Potter. Well, the first basic thing is that it feels like he's used the squad to his fullest. So he beats it, um, AC Milan away, then makes seven changes to the team for the Wolves game. Like, not afraid to get guys in, get guys minutes. And and that's had a great effect on the squad. It's lifted the squad. Um, John McKenzie of The Athletic and Tifo Football, um, he made the interesting point that Potter hasn't come in and just said, let's play Potter ball, whatever that might look like. He's cut his cloth to suit his measure. And, He's used certain elements, as John points out, of uh, of Tuchel um, for the basis for his team. So the 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 three four three and the wing backs, the continued use of wing backs uh, to add to that attack, being a good example. Um, and then uh, John goes on, like you really need to watch this video. It's a very good analysis because uh, you know Potter's not been in that long. So what's he done? 
Um, but patient build-ups, then moving the ball into the attacking area. But the stats were were interesting. Now, it's it's not equal in, in games played, but Tuchel has seven games, Potter has five. The goals for Tuchel had eight, Potter has 11. Goals against, 10. Potter, two. Hmm. Um, XG per 90. 1.2 and Potter's raised that to 1.7. So, like, I don't think this is still the the full version of of um of, of what Graham Potter will ultimately want Chelsea to be. But you can see, you can just just see how tactically flexible he is. And um and John, yeah, John makes some really good points um about how there are similarities, there are differences, but this is definitely feels like a Chelsea team that's been upgraded by by the presence of. Uh, of the new manager. It definitely does. It definitely does feel that way. Liam Toomey, who we've had on this podcast a couple times, oh, he has great. a great, he has great, uh, a great feature up on the athletic about some of the, like you talk about the tactical flexibility. Um, he kind of goes in deep on that, on the different ways that they approached AC Milan over these last couple games of the champions league. He says in a few short weeks, Potter has managed to reestablish the kind of structure and intensity that powered this club's run to glory under Tuchel 17 months ago. Just as promisingly, these two matches with Milan also indicated that Potter's abilities to craft the right tactical tactical game plan and make smart adjustments within games can translate to the Champions League stage, despite his almost total lack of experience on it. More decorated opposing coaches than Pioli and more talent-laden teams than Milan lie ahead, but he has passed his first test. That is very much true. Now, here's the problem for Chelsea, and it's not on the field. Their situation right now is an injury situation, and it's becoming a concern. Um, I mean, if, if I asked you to say who are the two most important players on this Chelsea team, I think most, I think most people would probably say N'Golo Kante and Reese James, and they're both dealing with injuries right now. Now, fortunately, I saw earlier today, um, I think it was Jacob Steinberg reported that Reese James's injury is not as concerning as initially thought because it was very concerning uh, at first. Um, when it looked like he had, had suffered a knee injury of some sort, right now it sounds like it's not that bad, which is which is hugely important both for Chelsea and for England. Oh my God! Don't put Gareth into the position where he has to pick Trent Alexander-Arnold in any form. <laughs> doesn't want that, but he doesn't. <laughs> but for Chelsea, at least you know Fafana, Conte, yeah. James. Like it's it's a growing list of of really important players of all you know certain first team guys. Uh, so it's something to keep an eye on how they'll be able to kind of, will they be able to continue at this rate with some of those players dealing with these, these injuries? I don't know how much longer N'Golo Conte should be out for. I don't think it should be too much longer. And like I said, Reese James doesn't sound like it's going to be as bad as initially thought. So maybe that's why you can't call it a crisis, but for a new manager in with this team, right when it seems like he's finding his footing and, and starting to thrive, it's something obviously that he doesn't want to have to deal with, but look, it's one of the reasons a manager like Graham Potter goes to Chelsea, right? Like, oh, now I have a huge squad. Yeah. Like when I was at Brighton, if this happened, we'd be screwed. Uh, now we're at Chelsea and like, look, Pulisic played over the weekend and scored a goal. He was great. Um, you know, Mason I, I, Mount is starting to uh, to round into form as yeah, well. And, and Graham Potter even uh, elicited some kind of praise from Pulisic for a Chelsea manager. It was... What? It was so bland... Um, and nondescript, but it was still something you definitely haven't heard from from Christian Pulisic in a long time. So that's good, you know? Yeah. Uh, now, not good. Oh, JJ. Fakayo Tomori 
What a nightmare of a week against his former club. Right. Um, I saw this from Who Scored. They tweeted, Kayo Tomori has faced Chelsea three times in his career, scored an own goal in the first game, lost 3-0 in the second, and he was bad in that game, and was sent off last night. I mean, it was to the point because Mason Mount was the player who drew the red card. And by the way, I want to say this about that red card. Dude, props to Mason Mount for not going down there. He probably should have. Uh, most players would, but he I, stayed up to try to get the attempt on goal, and the referee still he he rewarded him was, for his efforts. And I think it was so Tomori soft. Red. I think it was so soft. Um, he's got an arm around him, uh, an arm on him, but Mount is like not being dragged back. There's a little bit of pulling. Mount is in. I think he's in. If if well, Mount was feeling more than that, he goes over Andrew. But Mount sees the opportunity to score because there's not enough affecting him. Let I, me I, ask you a question. Yeah. So I see what you're saying because Mount doesn't go down. It's in the box. So like, I, I get what you're saying. It's not, you know, maybe it, you don't see it as a nailed on certainty of a red card. I get that. Mm. But let me just ask you if that same exact thing happens at midfield, right? It's a yellow and he's not even like, he's like acknowledging the ref saying, yeah, I know I, I did what I had to do. Like, so if that's the case, if he does the same thing in the box, it is a penalty, no? Oh, no. Like, I mean, that was one of the debates that uh, the CBS crew got into, the Paramount Plus crew got into. Yeah. I mean, letter of the law, I guess so. But um, I think just pulling a guy back from behind on a clear goal scoring opportunity. I think I, they got yeah, it right. I, I just think that, it, I, again, I'm, I'm being pedantic here, but it's the levels of pulling, gentle pulling, you know, Um and again, I've been infected with the bug of of Premier League referees who sat all the managers down and everybody at the start of last season and this season and said, we're going to continue to rule out the soft penalty. And um, and I guess I guess that's what's in my head. I don't head. know but, how soft. I don't yeah, know maybe, you know, it's soft. You might be right, Andrew. You might be right. Um, but nevertheless, Chelsea uh, playing very well right now. Uh, under Graham Potter. JJ, PSG, they settle for another draw against Benfica, this time at home. But that, to me, is not even the real story. No, forget. I mean, the game is nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not for Benfica. They Back-to-back no. draws against PSG. They'll be thrilled with that. We should probably be talking more about Benfica, and, and we will get to them at some point. But, um, but can that I read... point is not now. No, it's not now. Because um, Julien Laurent, of uh, he's currently a colleague of ours. He will soon be still a kind of a colleague but not on our um not in our parish um julian had these quotes on bt sport um so basically and, and you know when it's coming from him and the quotes are so strong and there's it's not just him there's a number of top um outlets that have this that you know there's something to it of course uh, this is not something that was made up by a disreputable... no, this, this i read this as coming this came straight from team mbappe yeah so um this is what uh, Julian said on BT Sport. Kylian Mbappe wants to leave the club. He feels betrayed that all the promises the club made when he signed the contract only 143 days ago have not been kept. So he's had enough and he wants out. Uh, what were the promises? One of the promises was that Mbappe would play with a number nine next to him in attack who could play as a pivot, but this has not happened. <laughs> this is my favorite one. That Neymar would not be there. <laughs> So I love the phrasing and that they'd sign a center back. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, if you rewind 143 days, I mean, there's so much happens in the sport. It's hard to remember the, but, but you know, the money, the enormous money that Mbappe was on the highest paid player in the sport, 
But more than that, we heard about how he was being given the keys to the club, that he'd be this on-field general manager. Now, that never seemed tenable to me, ever. And it appears as if he's not getting what he wants. And now we are in this scenario where he's he feels aggrieved, Andrew. So this is fascinating to me. Like, I'm trying to look at it from both sides. But ultimately, I kind of just keep coming back to, like, it's a pretty exorbitant list of demands that he's making. And you make them as you sign a contract through 2025. Like, I don't know. You expect... You expected all those demands to be like ticked off the box, like tick each one of those boxes right away in the first transfer window. And when they're not, you immediately demand to leave. Like you gave them basically half of a window to do these things. And like something like moving Neymar is like, okay, fine. PSG can, could want to do that. Maybe they, maybe they desperately wanted to capitulate to Mbappe's demand. But again, kind of like what we've seen with Ronaldo, not to that extent, because Neymar at this stage of his career is younger and way better than what, what Ronaldo is. But like on the wages that Neymar's on, there's only a few clubs that could take him on. And like those clubs are good right now. They're not taking on wages like that. It takes Andrew, two to tango. You can't just dump Neymar. Andrew, let's 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 use a a, a New York um something an analogy that really click in with New York people. When you're moving out, you're you're helping your friend move apartment or you're moving apartment yourself. What is the most awkward thing to move? The most difficult uh, thing to move? Bed? Bed, couch, and if you own your fridge. That is what Neymar is. He's a big old fridge. It's so hard to move him. Like, how can Mbappe, like, just to your point, possibly think that there are takers in this world of football of ours that are going to take on that contract, that are going to just, oh, hey, here he is, to pay him the wages he has to be paid. It's absurd. This is this is very petty stuff. I think so, too. Barney Rone had a tweet. He said uh, in, this, in the summers, uh, PSG's chairman said Mbappe was going to stay, quote, and write the true history of the club. And to be fair, he was right. A history of power-hungry egomaniacs treating the sport <laughs> like a personal playground. Mbappe has embodied this perfectly. Hats off. I mean, that's like, that's the sentiment right now. Mbappe has lost the public. Thierry Henry took a shot at Mbappe. Uh, I saw Craig Burley on ESPN FC went in on Mbappe. Like he's, he's losing the public. I wonder about something with Mbappe. I wonder if this kind of, I mean, you see a guy sign a contract like that and then demand to leave so quickly into this, the length of that contract. I got to believe he didn't really want to stay there. But he didn't. But he was too mature, immature to know how to handle something like that. Like I, re- I, remember, remember the stories around it. JJ, it, he was always going to Real Madrid. But then you started to hear things like, who was it? Emmanuel Macron, the French president, is reaching out to him directly, asking him to stay. Like I think Mbappe was getting a lot of internal pressure, didn't know how to handle it. So trying to make everyone happy, he stays at PSG. Um, but like now he's out to try and make the club look like the bad guys so he can remain unscathed among French fans going into a world cup. Like he's trying to, he's trying to play both sides of this and it's not working. I think in the end, he's kind of losing everyone. But like the human being is not able to turn off ambitions and, and strong childhood ambitions that easily. And certainly not in your early twenties. He has fantasized, dreamed, um, just like, yearned to be in the white of Real Madrid. We know this from his history. And to be, to play in what he perceives as one of the biggest leagues 
in the world, he's correct. Like, it was never going to save him to stay in Paris. PSG are a big fish in a in a small pond. And I, look, I don't believe in all the Twitter insults, Farmers League, etc., etc. But it is a small league. He's not going to fulfill the ambitions he wants. Like, he no, can't... especially especially as Erling Holland, because we've said it, Holland and Mbappe is the next generation's, you know, Messi Ronaldo, not to the extent of, of their talent, but in terms of the like the personal rivalries of guys of a similar age and profile. And like, as long as Holland, like Mbappe probably sees what Holland is doing right now in the Premier League and is thinking like, I, I can't catch this guy if I'm doing this, these things here. Like I'll no, never I have that same level of respect. I can't be, I can't be here. And it, it's like, it's like he's, he's looked at his, his prime years, which he is giving to PSG and thinking, oh God, I got, I got to get out of this. And you're right. There was pressure. There was also tremendous wealth. Like wealth beyond his dreams offered offered um actually not wealth beyond his dreams. The money clearly now he realizes that he's gonna make good money wherever he is in the world and he wants to be at Real Madrid or somewhere else. But Paris isn't gonna do it. But let's go even further back. The loan move, Andrew. Me and you, I remember I'd love to dig out that podcast, seeing as we're on a in a bit of a nostalgic uh, trip right at the moment. Um that podcast, I remember you saying to me, this is the weirdest loan move in history. There's no way he should be going from Monaco to PSG. His talent is so enormous. His profile is so big. The next stop is not PSG in the French League. I remember you saying something along those lines. And it, it's, it's felt like that ever since. And I think he has felt that inside, but for whatever reason, he couldn't bring himself to leave, whether it was the money or whether, like I said, it was internal pressure coming from within France that he just felt bad leaving. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, I can't, I can't guess how this plays out, but I'll tell you what, man, like he better wrap his mind around staying there. Cause I, I don't see a, a clear path to him leaving after having just signed a contract like this the wages he's on, what is it, like 128 million or something? Yeah. Like it's it's a crazy figure. Um, also, there's a there's a and we need to be be careful, but um there is a geopolitical element to this too. Like he's not trying to get away from a a, a club, a regular club, and and you know, in, in the way that other footballers would have had in the past. He's trying to get away from a country. They're owned by a country, a country who has deep, deep uh, economic uh, financial and political ties with France. That's why you get the president begging him to stay in Paris. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is this is really tricky ground for him, though. Yeah, it is. Especially, like I said, going into a World Cup and you've now like potentially enraged this fan base of one of the biggest teams in the country. Um, he better have a good World Cup. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And, uh, you know, he's done it before, but this he's put himself in, in a precarious spot i'm sure with how the public views him right now but yeah i don't i don't see him going anywhere so he better at least certainly not in january so he better no he, he better wrap his mind around that um just a couple quick hits jj bruce yeah. dortmund won and uh, sevilla won don't have much to say about it except one geo reina had an amazing kind of mazy run through this which was just made its way around u.s soccer twitter yeah on tuesday which i enjoyed u.s uh What's your what's your favorite account? Uh, USMNT only 
Yeah, that Kinda, one. They, they, yeah. yeah, but I think they, they titled it. Oh, uh, what if this shot had come off? Or it's like, it was, right? Yeah, what if he finished this? Something like that. No, it was clearly a cross. I mean, I thought it was dribbling. a pass too. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. But he was dribbling his way through. It was such a mazy run. He's he, he's so good at that. And um, someone should have really got their toe on that and uh, put it into the net. Um, yeah. But the but, thing, I, the thing I wondered about this game is if, like, are we really seeing the Jude Bellingham revolution just like fully underway? I think he's it's four fa- goals now in four Champions yeah. League games. And he's fantastic. He's Nineteen years old. It's I mean, it's getting he, scary now. It is, and you wonder how how Gareth Southgate looks beyond him to start for England in the midfield at the World Cup. You also look at what's going to be another. I, I, uh, uh, Kvirac Galia, fine, but you're also going to be talking about Bellingham as well in this kind of summer sweepstakes. Who's going to pick him up? Um, and Liverpool are getting worried now because he was on their radar for so long. They've or more or less declared, yes, we want him. Um, the price is going to be enormous, and they need to be in the Champions League, minimum. Mm-hmm. They're not getting him if if he's not. I, I would be surprised if he went to a club that's not in the Champions League. Don't um, see that. Yeah. So so that that brings Manchester United into play. It also brings uh, Manchester City into play as well. Um, yeah. So there's a there's a and maybe I I saw a rumor about him going to Real Madrid as well, but um, I don't know if there's he might have his pick of the litter. Yeah, he's fantastic. Absolutely. Spe- fantastic. Speaking of Real Madrid, they're through to the round of sixteen. They will continue to defend their. Crown, thanks to a 95th minute equalizer from Antonio Rudiger. Uh, I saw a picture of him on the team plane afterwards. On that goal, I think he gashed his head and and caused himself 20 stitches. I mean, jeez, he scored the goal it. and he like I went down immediately. Yeah, he had a, his whole head was wrapped up. He had a huge smile ear to ear because he just scored the equalizer to put them through to the round of 16. So it was a good moment. But ow, yeah, that's not good. It yeah. reminds me of when I came into the. Uh studio with my knee cut from seven aside soccer oh here we go yeah no no you it was the first thing you saw this gash on my knee i know and, remember we talked about this you wanted yeah, everyone to see it you, you were, were so, proud of it but you were so repulsed by it it was i don't know well, it was repulsive to look at i know but i always imagine me and you, you know, blood Ugh. yeah but me and you together in the trenches you know what <laughs> am if, i in them no, me and you were together in the trenches, like in in in, and and imagine something happens to me or you, and and you'd react that way. Can I trust you in a combat situation? Is what I'm asking. It's a good question. I I think I could trust you in in almost any situation. I would say I'm a big human shield guy. <laughs> well, there's lumps and weird protrusions on your body that would just be brilliant for catching bullets that might hit me. Right, JJ, hide behind this <laughs> this side of my love handle. <laughs> You'll be safe there. Burrow um, and, deep into it. <laughs> and then uh, finally, you kind of referenced this before, but maybe the upset of the group stage thus far, Maccabi Haifa shutting out Juve 2-0. I've the American two, goalkeeper, Josh Cohen with the shot. Yeah, he made, he made two excellent saves. Uh, he's in. He's playing in the Champions League. Uh, you know, I know that the standard in the Israeli league might, might not be that high, but his story, his story is amazing. I mean, look at this for a list of clubs. Uh, Burling, uh, Burlingame Dragons, Orange County Blues, Phoenix Rising. Okay, there you go. Sacramento Republic. Okay, and then Maccabi Haifa. Uh, he's got Israeli citizenship, so he got over there. Ninety, ninety-nine appearances. Oh no, he's more than that because this is only correct as of uh, September 11th. But he made two brilliant saves. Um, 
Look, he's not going to be in the running for the U.S. men's national team, but I would give him a run in the new year. Why not? I think he deserves it. I mean, look, if he's playing like this in the Champions League against clubs like Juventus, like, yeah. Why could, not? Why not? Yeah, get him in there in a friendly. Who knows? I yeah, mean, look, fr- Matt Turner started out like he was kind of a journeyman, like interesting right. story as well. Look where he's at now. So, I, who, like, I don't think we're in a position to rule anybody out. Cohen's, right. uh, I mean, goalkeepers, they 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 mature at a different pace, but um, Cohen is 30. Um, but still plenty of plenty of life in him and yeah no it was it was brilliant and uh, I have two friends who I play soccer with who are Israeli who were Maccabi Haifa fans and they're absolutely just pumped by uh, by what they saw and I don't know how Allegri survives I just googled there has Allegri been sacked Uh, but apparently the athletic says Andrea Agnelli backs Massimiliano Allegri and says he will remain Juventus head coach so there we go we've seen those kind of statements before yeah I don't know how much how much stock I put in them. I've been to Haifa, by the way. What a what a beautiful city! Is it really beautiful? Yeah, yeah, that's something. Yeah, something. I've uh, I have not I've not been to Israel. It's a it's quite a city, quite a country. Um, I'll tell you what, I don't have much else on the Champions League. You got anything? No, no, no. I think uh, that's me for now, Andrew. And I know okay. uh, I know you want to move on to other issues. Yeah, well, let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back quickly uh, and do a little bit of Premier League. Not a ton, but a couple of things I wanted to mention. And then we'll wind it down at the end with a, a look ahead to uh, MLS's postseason, put a bow on the regular season as well. Still more caught offside to come. Don't go anywhere. Oh, back again on Caught Offside. Like we said, did we mention at the start of the show, Jay, that people should check out at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter for the latest information on where this podcast can be found moving forward? Yeah, so and they I don't think have Twitter, they should email you at caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. I think caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com is where you'll get the link to listen to us on Spotify. Uh, I think that they should realize that there will be more and more air places for us uh, for them to listen to us going forward as Andrew figures out um, what almost gave him a stroke tonight. Um, and uh, we'll be on all platforms very, very soon. But to follow our progress, at CO Soccer Pod, at CEO Soccer Pod on Twitter. Follow us there. Also, Twitter Space, 1 p.m. Eastern, Friday. JJ, let's chat. Come on. I'm, th- I'm thinking of hopping on that call. Can- Will you have time? Oh, this is unprecedented. I'm th- I'm thinking strongly about being a pr- being present for that. Oh my God! You, but you've—I mean—you've never wanted to do one. one you know, you've—you've you've refused. You've, you've... Well, you've always put them at, at five o'clock when I'm in the when I was always in the midst of my job. But I'm off this Friday, and I'm thinking uh, if I'm—I'm I'm thinking that that's something I might want to be there for. All right, let's do that. That'd be amazing. Live radio, because that's essentially what it is. Yeah, taking strongly. callers, thinking strongly about it. Uh, let's see. Quick Premier League chat. Don't have a ton here. I know it happened a few days ago, but um, Arsenal beat Liverpool in a really lively one at the Emirates, 3-2. You know, I got to hand it to Arsenal, man. Like, they suffered that setback against United, and they've bounced right back. Like, they've been excellent. And they really the... have. Like, in that time, since that United defeat, they've beaten Tottenham and they've beaten Liverpool. We've whittled away very quickly. I mean, the argument was wait until you wait until Arsenal play someone good, and then they played United and played them really well and lost. And we thought, there you go, now you'll see the collapse. And you didn't, and they haven't. Now I think what stands in their way ultimately may be injuries. Ultimately, it may be a young side. It probably will be Manchester City that gets in the way. But they are just—they're fabulous to watch right now. They're—they're free flowing. They're exciting. They attack Liverpool wave after wave. Didn't think that the the winning goal was a penalty at all. 
Not at all. Okay. But it doesn't matter because for me, I felt as if watching it, it's inevitable the ball crosses the line here. It's a matter of time. Such was the the wave after wave, uh, the tsunami of the Arsenal attack. So, um, no, they've they've been really, really good. Uh, Gabriel Jesus was like, I said, uh, I said Jesus unbound last week, and I really mean it. He was taking, he was tough, he was combative, he, he dived when he had to. He was his runs were intelligent. He fought, he battled. Um, he probably should have stay, uh, stayed off the field after that uh, incident where he went over, which looked to me like um, a concussion. I can't, I can't be sure. He was. Mm. It's one of those where you're like, ah. What are we doing here? But um, he was fantastic. And he has been. He has been all season. It's been, like we've said, one of the signings of the season so far. You know, you mentioned before, ultimately, it might be just like not Arsenal's fault. It might just be Manchester City are, are, are a monster. Um, I'm starting to wonder, like, what is, you know, expectations obviously are are, are a living organism. Like, their expectations are constantly shifting and evolving what are Arsenal's right now? Like, wow. it ha- I mean, I think bare minimum. If they some, if something goes wrong, and look, if you look at the table right now, it's it is tight. Like, it feels like they are clearly playing great football, better right. than maybe anybody, with the exception of Manchester City, and even them, they're they're ahead of them in the table. Um, but like, it's pretty tight. Like, two weeks could change a lot of things. But I would say, watching Arsenal, like, top four is an absolute necessity at this point. No? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this season has taken on... Expectations in football, they take on a life of their own, and they... I mean, they've morphed into this potential title race for Arsenal. The idea then that they wouldn't make the top four. You can't, it it would, something would have had to have gone disastrously wrong. It feels yeah, it like. can't be countenanced. Um, and there's such a buzz around the team. And every game seems like a massive game. Like, that Arsenal-Liverpool game felt like a game in, like, mid-April. That's what it felt like, like a really important down-the-stretch game. Um, now, am I fully convinced that they have rid themselves of an away trip to Wolves where they might lose or a, a trip to, I was going to say Burnley, but they're no longer in the league. But you know what I mean? Like a hiccup. I, I'm not sure that that's true. But I will yeah, but say... That, but that happens to everyone. Though. Right, but, but you, you're not listening to me. Listen they're not. Me. We've acknowledged you, there are no hiccups. City. There are no hiccups against City. I know City have drawn games. I get that, uh, but there there can't be hiccups against City. We've seen our our our. I would say our Arsenal poised to take the mantle of the second best team in England away from Liverpool. Maybe, possibly. Well, what, I mean, I guess there can be hiccups, but then like they have to beat Man City when they play them. Right, a hundred percent. Yeah, and, and that's, um, that's how you make up for it. But sure, how many? T- a, it's, if this uh, if this does become some kind of rival, like what you just said there, we might be a little early in this to be saying that like Arsenal are taking the mantle from Liverpool. But if let's say that does happen, boy, the Pep Arteta dynamic is a really interesting one. Should that become a, a real rivalry? Yeah. Although the problem with it is, I guess they like each other too much. But like, I mean, there's no real. We're not going back to the days of Wenger and Fergie, where there's open contempt, or Wenger and Mourinho. 
I mean, we just watched Tuchel and Conte basically duke it out at midfield. Ah, It can still happen where managers hate each other. Yeah, but like a sustained rivalry of hatred. I mean, Klopp and Pep have been going at each other. Oh, I know. The the smugness between the two of them. They love each other. I know. They they just stand on the sidelines sniffing each other's farts the whole time. Oh, look at us. (laughs) We're so much better than everyone else. Oh, we play the best football. Our games are so lovely against one. Here, hug me. Ah, smell it. Ah, yes. Beautiful, beautiful. That's all it is between the two of them. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, well, that is true. I mean, uh, and and even Klopp, like when after the games, the two two, the I mean, they're, both games were two two, but the last two two last season at the Etihad, and um, and yeah, and Klopp comes off, wow, just it's such top level football and all oh, this, and, and they're like so they, impressed with themselves. Yeah, they are there, and I love Pep. I, yeah, I mean. I, I love Pep. I love documentary Pep. <laughs> well, what is that if not him? Pep in the Figo documentary is a good guy. If that's real Pep, then I like him. I mean, look, you got like you have to lean on things that have said about it. Like I, I, to, I listened to "Take the Ball, Pass the Ball," or not listened to. I watched it, and like they rave about him. Yeah. All his players loved him. They acknowledged the last year it went bad, and they noticed a change in him. Uh, but like, I mean, some of the things that Danny Alves says about Pep, oh my God, that guy would, I mean, he'd take a bullet for the man. Like it was, they love, his players love him. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, let's see a couple quick ones. We're talking about Man City. Their dominance continues. I don't know what else to even say about it. It's, it's madness. They're scoring goals like they were free throws. It's, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, one day, I feel like we say that probably every week about them. At some point we probably should really discuss them. Man City, maybe, maybe even go like in the club or something and talk about like just do, just how how amazing this all is. Man City, do you not? Do they make you feel cold? Like, well, it becomes so. so you, rebu- and I have, you and I have always had differing viewpoints on them. Like, I watched some of the goals. Like, you've always said that you kind of find it a little bit boring. Yeah, I watched some of the goals that they scored over the weekend, and like, I was not. I'm not bored. I like when, I I like when De Bruyne does things, um, and occasionally Grealish, and like I like I do like watching Haaland finish because he's he's like this oh new. My God, how can you not? He's this new element in there, but like I would say before, I mean Haaland Haaland's a good reason to watch them now, but I I yeah definitely over over the last few seasons I suppose the the repetitive nature of their wins and you knew the wins were coming has a sort of a, a stultifying effect on the brain. Um, the, the, I suppose soccer without yeah, je- soccer without boredom. jeopardy, soccer without right. jeopardy. There's boredom in the inevitability of it all, but I don't know if I feel bored when I'm actually watching them play. Do you think they'll be loved? Like, uh, as a li- no, as- I think I think the nature of of their creation will kind of always prevent that. Yeah, because even if people do love the way they play and love individual players on their team and love their manager, which by the way, I I have a lot of those feelings. I love De Bruyne. I just said I love Pep. Like I enjoy watching them play. There's no real reason that I should hate them. I have a but, friend. Like, that's I've... sort of what they are. Like that, they're they're hard to love because of just like the the way that they have kind of been created. I have a friend who supports Leeds United, so he hates everyone. But he has this. But he he'll talk to you about oh the great Liverpool team at the end of the nineties. And he'll tell you how Leeds United fans clapped for goals that they scored because they were just so good. And he'll tell you how good Wenger's 98 team were, or he'll tell you how good United were under Fergie, even though he hates United. 
and he, and there's it's not that there's a fondness but there's a there's a there's a love there like it's a love of the game he would never admit it and like i remember the 1919 that way i don't think i'll remember the city team this way and it maybe it's because of the way they were form, formulated yeah i think everyone just is always going to have that in the back of their mind but in from a from a dominance perspective from like the way they play perspective like you know if they if they weren't owned the way that they are i think people would probably feel differently yeah well they wouldn't be where they are if that was the case so speaking of which newcastle starting to get going they're up to six in the table after putting five past brentford concerning deeply concerning (laughs) yeah and they had they celebrated their their takeover they had a massive banner which was like a sky sports news feed with amanda staveley in the middle of it like very very uh very very strange very very odd kind of owners after a year holding a banner now i if i'm going to be fair at stanford bridge there was a todd bowley banner with his face on it after mm-hmm. two weeks so maybe i don't know maybe that's just the way football is going yeah maybe i mean look owners who take their clubs from not good situations and suddenly thrust them into great situations they're going to be loved and then at some point like the pendulum's going to swing the other way and there will be rallies in the streets for them to leave like it's kind of the nature of the beast uh, for ownership in, in this sport right now. And mm. then finally, JJ, I think it's like... I wouldn't do rallies in the street against Newcastle ownership. <sighs> wow. Just leave that one, Just leave that one there. Wow. Um, and then finally, I, I think we got to start... Like the, the Liverpool-Bournemouth game happened. And then I think we all said, well, that's Bournemouth done. That's their season. Goodbye. And then like quietly, the season continued. And all of a sudden you looked at the table and they're eighth. Like, wait, what, what, how is this? We, well, I, how has it happened? I don't know, but they've gone on. They I've never seen a team be like so consolidated after losing their, their manager. What a bounce back from a nine nil. I was going to say it's hard to have three wins, three draws, three losses with a minus 12 goal difference. It's not natural. No, um, I mean it's on the back of one game. It just looks weird looking at the table. But so, how like, do we view what's happened here? I mean, are we are we saying that it's the Gary O'Neill effect? The- well, sure. I mean, sure. I think he would. You you. It would be wrong to not give him some of the credit. Look, if they were getting thrashed every week, he'd be he'd be taking the blame. He'd be fired. So like, it's got to work both ways. I mean, look. I think the thing with Bournemouth, that's that's encouraging for them is like, okay, you can take your nine nil against Liverpool. Like that, that's horrifying and deeply embarrassing. Um, but ultimately those aren't the games that are going to decide their fate. It's the games that have happened since nil nil against wolves, three, two against Nottingham forest, the one, one against Newcastle, which now actually looks like a really good result, but like nil nil against Brentford two one against Leicester city. Like what? Yeah. When Bournemouth are going to play the teams that are above them, they're going to get thrashed in a lot of those games. That's just like, they're not suited for those games, but that's not, those aren't the games that matter. The teams that are around them, below them, close to them. Like if they can get draws and eke out some wins like that, that'll be enough for them to potentially stay up. And I'm trying to remember what my prediction was with them. I thought, I I think I had them going down, but I mean, they're, they're proving people wrong right now. Two, one last weekend over Leicester city. No, that's, those are the kind of games that'll keep them up. Sure, definitely. Um, let's see. Anything else from you on the uh, the Premier League? 
Uh, no, uh, but just one thing, just to circle back quickly. I saw the article today. I just want to mention it. Um, so Marca had this, uh, a bunch of outlets had it. PSG have been accused of using false social media accounts to discredit own players, including Mbappe. Hmm. And uh, they're said to have pressured Mbappe over a new deal. So that's the article on, uh, yeah, a media part broke the news. And uh, yeah, it's um, now, of course, PSG deny it, but um, that's a story to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, we've seen people, organizations use bots before to do exactly that. Um, but uh, I thought it was, it was really Barcelona, right? That they yeah. had that scandal. Yeah, very interesting. Um, very interesting stuff coming out of uh, PSG. It's going great there right now, huh? Yeah, it's it's a fun place to be. Uh, let's see. I'll tell you what. We'll go ahead. We'll take one more break. We'll come back with some MLS regular season wrap-up, uh, postseason preview, that kind of stuff. So we'll wind it down here on, uh, on Caught Offside. Don't go anywhere. Oh, back now. We wind it down here on Caught Offside. One last bit on the Premier League. JJ, I have not done the work on this. I have not gone back through Tottenham's 130-year history. But uh, one other Premier League note. For all like the weirdness of the start of the season for Tottenham, I saw this on Twitter. If Tottenham beat Everton this Saturday, it'll be their best ever start in the club's 130-year history. <laughs> the season is so weird. <laughs> it's very, very odd. Like, it's really? like no one – like they've been fine – but like no one would look at them and say like this is as good as as we've seen them and yet the numbers will tell you that it that it is it's just like it's been a very strange season for them but i guess most clubs in in the country would would trade places with them in a heartbeat so no one's complaining uh, uh let's see jj mls we wind it down with that it has arrived it is upon us the postseason is here now before getting into that um, just, I'm curious, any takeaways from the end of, uh, the regular season as we put that to bed, maybe a, a big loser, a big winner, no, I have I, a couple here. I, I just think a general, um, establishment change. There was a good article on MLSsoccer.com about like how bad teams became good and are now finding themselves in the playoffs. But if you look at it for me, it's not so much that it's about like some established powers. Look at what new England did last season. Look at where they are now. Outside the playoffs, not going to be there. Look at what Atlanta have been for the last five, six years. Look where they are now outside the playoffs. Go to the Western Conference and you've seen the decline of these powers too. The Seattle Sounders, Sporting KC, Portland. And I think just for me, the big takeaway for me from this season has been um, how recent expansion sides, I know LAFC have, have, have done it a certain way, but like look at Austin, look at Nashville. Nashville weren't a flash in the pan. There they go. They're in the playoffs again. Yeah. Um, look what Cincinnati did this year. Look at Cincinnati as well. Even Phil Neville's into Miami. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the other story that Montreal are legit. They've held up there, finished two points off of, of Philadelphia. Um, so I, I, I just think that um, MLS, you're just, we, we felt for so long Seattle, Portland, these teams were guaranteed I would throw the Galaxy in there too, even though they've fallen on hard times maybe yeah. of the last few seasons. But like historically. Yeah, like there was some kind of guarantee for these teams. There just isn't. There isn't. It's uh, it's it's really tough. And, and the teams that have come up, uh, the newer teams are really, really staking a claim to become the new established powers. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'll echo some of that with like, if I had a big loser this season to hone in on one of them, Atlanta United FC. And, and you're right. There are other candidates as well. Toronto FC, New England, certainly. Um but I look at Atlanta because like this season, it was just like, 
you know, they missed the playoffs for the second time in three years. That's one thing. But like the greatest player in the club's history, Joseph Martinez, on the outs, a horrible end to the season. You know, Gonzalo Pineda having to ask questions week after week about his relationship with Martinez. They dealt with disastrous injuries all throughout the season. Just like it was just brutal at every turn. The Martinez situation, what happens now? Like he was suspended last month, reportedly flipped a table after the team lost to Portland, oh. uh, barely playing down the stretch. I think I saw in Tom Bogert's article, what was it, three starts in the last 15 games? Just like a terrible look for a player of his standing in that city. Um, Pineda addressed it. He, he addressed his relationship with Martinez at the end of the season, saying um, that I don't think the relationship has gone as far bad as you think it's gone. I think it can very easily, I can very easily speak with Joseph. I have nothing to hide and I'm here. I don't think the relationship's been poor, bad, anything like that. We shake hands. We talk here and there in the training sessions with no problems. There's no major issues in that relationship, as you may think. I mean, that look, that doesn't, that doesn't read like a great relationship, but all right, I'll, I guess I'll take him at his word. I don't know. <laughs> I have my doubts. But just like a total lost season for this club, like the Guzon injury early in the year, Miles Robinson, his injury early in the year, uh, who am I forgetting? Ozzy Alonso. Like, it was just, it was like it's over before it started. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, they'll get guys back next season. I don't know what's going to happen with Martinez. Diego Almeida, it'll be interesting to see. He was kind of their young breakout star. Um, if Europe is going to come calling for him, as, as Atlanta expects it will, they just don't know if it'll be this winter or if they'll get maybe another year out of him. Not sure. But like, what a weird crossroads that they find themselves at. And then the one winner for me, kind of what you said, I'll just go real quick here. Montreal, JJ, I'm going to read you their finishes over the last seven seasons. 11th, 17th, 15th, 18th, 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 and second. Yeah. I mean, you talk about one of these things is not like the others. What I, I, is... It's the power of a brand change. Give yourself a new uh, new club name and a new badge and away you go. <laughs> you think that's it? No, I don't. I think oh. they've they've been pretty smart about how they run their, oper- their operation. They've also made some, some, some clever trades to get players in as well. And they've had good coaching, all that stuff before branding, Andrew, always. What about these playoffs? Oh, what about them? Uh, What matchups jump off the page to you? Uh, NYCFC uh, versus Inter-Miami. Same. Same thing for me. Because Inter-Miami, they have spent big on one end of the field in terms of getting really good talent in there in Pozuelo and what, you know, can he do something else in the postseason for a different team in Inter Miami and yet New York City FC about the repeat. That's, that's the big storyline. And and can they go again, albeit under new management? Um, Montreal and Orlando is interesting. Montreal be terrible to go out in the first round to Orlando, but Orlando are a tricky side and they could make that happen. And, I think everybody who's watched the league this season wants to see Austin keep rolling. They're a team that's like real fun to watch. They should get over Real Salt Lake. That would be my my gut feeling, but I'm not convinced by that either. And also the New York Red Bulls. There they are. The different, less flashy Red Bulls over the last few years as they've been. Um, what are they going to do? Because, um, yeah, there's a lot of fans and supporters curious. Can they take any more playoff heartbreak? I'm not sure they can. Yeah, I I will echo a little bit of what you said about NYCFC. I got to say, man, like we knew they had a great team defending champs, but they dealt with a lot of adversity this season. Props to them on still finding their way to third in the East. Like that, it could have spiraled, you know, losing their manager, losing their best player. Yeah. Uh, just like com- the come down of having won a title last season and just like the pressure of trying to repeat on that, you know, the disappointment of the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, 
like there were a lot of twists. There were a lot of turns where this could have gone the wrong way for them. And, you know, obviously look, they would have probably wanted to finish higher than third. Like their expectations were greater than that, but they dealt with a lot of stuff and to feel, to still have found themselves in that position. I think they should be feeling good about the season they had. I don't know if everyone agrees with that, but that that's how I see it. Um, and also I want to say out West that Nashville LA galaxy uh, matchup is beautiful to me. Um, just cause I've been loving watching honey Mukhtar golden boot winner this season, 23 Class. goals. What a player. I mean, like he's just come to this league. We talked about it earlier, but I don't even know if guys at Nashville thought that they were getting what they got with him. Just, he's just been so brilliant for them. He's been so, so good. Um, I saw a journalist call for his inclusion in the, uh, oh, in the yeah. German national team. Oh yeah. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, he's, it. he's been in the national team pretty much from U15 to U21. So maybe who knows, Andrew, who knows? All right, then. That'll about do it, my friend. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened to us on ESPN. And thank you to everyone who is going to continue to listen to us as we take our uh, our new step. Yeah, we've said it enough. You don't need to hear us say it more. But uh, yeah, keep checking that at CO Soccer Pod for updates because um, you'll you'll see them all right there. And then like JJ said, what was it, Friday at 1 o'clock? Check out uh, the at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter for a little imp- little impromptu soccer chat yeah soccer space uh twitter space it's gonna you're gonna be able to talk with me and andrew amazing it's it's great it's a new era embrace it hold it to your bosom (laughs) that's right hey this was fun my friend to you i say check you later fun boy i'll see you man take care you've been listening to the caught offside soccer podcast 